Welcome to the Eastridge Church South Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Good morning, Eastridge. How are y'all? Good to see you. Only the faithful are here on a rainy day, so you consider yourselves faithful in a good place. And I am so glad you're here. If you're a guest, thanks for being our guest. If you are a returning guest, thanks for coming back. And we're in a series called Reset, where we're going through the book of Genesis, not verse by verse, but picking out some major stories in Genesis where we've just kind of been walking through and each message starts with the prefix R-E. And so the first week we, we talked about restart, that um, at the beginning of the year we're all looking for a restart. And we looked at creation where when God is in the midst of creation, when He's at the center of creation, things are beautiful, things are good, there's purpose. And then the next week we looked at the fact that God created uh, man and woman, Adam and Eve, and they sinned and uh, that we needed to be redeemed. And then last week we looked at the story of the flood, uh, talking about Noah and just how things go from bad to worse. And it talked about this whole concept of repent, that we are warned, there's warnings in the Bible over and over again about how we live and, and that we're, the whole point of that is not to make us feel bad, but get us to turn back to God, to make a U-turn in our life. And today we continue on and today we're going to talk about rebuild. We're going to talk about rebuild and... Uh, um, every every one of us has um, an ugly side to us, and um, it's, it's a side that, that a lot of people don't see. If you get married, it's seen easily, or if you have kids, uh, it can be seen. Uh, and so we'll say something, and we'll go, I don't know where that came from. That's not me. Well, yeah, it is. That is. That's you. That's me. Or we'll do something... And we'll just be totally embarrassed and go, I don't know why I did that. It's not really who I am. Yeah, it is. That's who you are. Years ago, we went on a mission trip to go build a church in Mexico. And um, I did a lot of legwork for this trip. This is the ugly side of me, if you're wondering where this is going. Ugly. Uh, not not terrible, but ugly, uh, and none, nonetheless. And... Uh, I did a lot of work behind the scenes and got a volunteer to lead the trip. And man, it was great. We had a great time. We had uh, some of the people here today that went on that trip. And, and you know, and we got to build this church uh, building for a church there. Their building was about to fall in. It was just awesome. And at the end of the trip, the volunteer who I'd gotten to lead the trip, everybody was telling him how good he did. Man, he did a great job. And look, and, and then I celebrated that. But, you know, there was a little dig in there that nobody said I did a good job. You ever been there? Nobody, and I'm thinking, man, I did, I, this, was, and this, is, this is how it worked. I was like, this was my idea. I'm the one that worked it out. I went and saw the church before anybody else, before it was falling in. I went down there and, and I met with a pastor and, and I'm starting to think all these things. And there's a part of us... It's ugly. I know it's ugly. You're, and you're, if you're here and you're a guest, you're like, man, this guy needs counseling. I do. Okay, I do. I just... But I think you do too. 
because we all got an ugly side to us. And there's a part of us that we all want notoriety. We all want fame. We all want to make a name for ourselves. And we're going to look at a story where that's phrased a little bit different. We all want to glorify ourselves in some way. This is the struggle of our life. And we read this story from Genesis where, like I said, things go from bad to worse. God sends this flood, but men's hearts don't change. God starts with a new group of people, Noah's family. But the truth is men's heart, they don't change. There's something inside of us that we want the glory. As a matter of fact, if you've ever seen the movie Nacho Libre, you know it's one of my favorite movies. Jack Black says, I want a little piece of the glory. And we all want that. We do. And so we read the scripture here, the count of Genesis. We're talking about, we all want to make a name for ourselves. It says, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylon and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used instead of mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves. With a tower that reaches into the sky, then this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Because God had told them to be fruitful and multiply and to spread out. They're like, now let's let's build something for ourselves. And when you read this story, it answers some questions of how we got all these people groups that we have, how do all we these languages, and it doesn't answer them completely, but it does answer them. Because you're going to see what God's going to do in a minute. But as we read the story, there's a couple of things I want to share with you. The first is this, is little things matter to God. They do. God told them to spread out. They said, we want to stay. Little things matter to God. You're going to see in the story. Little things matter to God in your life and my life. They do. They matter to God. The second thing you're going to see is that God always has a plan. Nothing surprises God. He always has a plan. He's always working a plan. You read the Scriptures. It is His plan being displayed throughout. And in this story, if you're honest, you're going to see that you want a little bit of the glory for yourself sometime too. That you want fame, you want notoriety. And it all stems from pride. Pride's one of our biggest problems. You know, the funny thing about pride is that just like every other sin you'll hear me talk about, so easy to see in somebody else and so hard to see in ourselves. As a matter of fact, if I say, raise your hand if you've got a problem with pride, nobody raises their hand. Isn't that a little prideful? I'm just saying, really, isn't it? People go, I don't have a problem because we don't think we do. We don't think we have a problem with pride. But pride is one of our biggest problems. And so you may struggle with pride. I have some, some things here. You may struggle with pride if you always think your ideas are the best. My ideas are the best. You may struggle with pride if the idea has to become your idea before it's used. 
You ever met anybody like that? That's so frustrating, isn't it? Maybe not. Maybe I'll just work with people like that. Okay, great. (laughs) You may struggle with pride if you avoid people who seem to be smarter than you, better at something than you. You may struggle with pride if you use the word I a lot. I. I, I. You may struggle with pride if you're not a good listener. If people tell you you're not a good listener, it's probably because of pride. Either you don't think what they're saying is important, you're too busy. You may struggle with pride if when you do listen, you're silently thinking of how you can fix them. How you can solve their problem. You may struggle with pride if you think everyone else is stupid compared to you and your ways. You ever have a moment like that? That's an ugly moment, isn't it? They're just stupid. I know none of y'all would think like that. That's second service people. <laughs> First service people never go there. You may struggle with pride if you think that your way of doing things is always the best way. I saw this play out, and, and uh, it, what's funny is when you're preaching on something, you become really aware of it. So I'm preaching on pride this week, and I'm seeing these pride issues in my life. And uh, Friday night, Leslie and I are in a discussion because we don't get in arguments because I'm a preacher. And so, <laughs> and I'm seeing how this plays out. And it's pride. I like, she wants to do something one way, and I'm telling her, no, this way is this way's the best way. And then we get in kind of a little discussion about it. And finally, I say, hey, look, I, I would love to say it went as nicely as I'm telling you. But I really, I, I immediately realized this is pride. It's me. Tell her my way is better than your way. And the truth is, she didn't ask for my help. Which leads me to this. You may struggle with pride if you try to help people when they don't ask you to do so. And I'm using the word help hypothetically here. I'm going to help you by getting you to do things my way because it's the best. And then finally, you may struggle with pride if you think everybody ought to do the things the same way you do them. Now, I could go on and on. We all know this. We go on. But the truth is, pride is is an issue with us. It's a problem that we all have. it's It's a deep pleasure from one's own achievements. And I want to be real quick here. It's not wrong to be successful. It's not. It's not wrong to be famous. It's not wrong to have notoriety. But we know that the longer you have those things the easier it is to cross the line into pride and and having this this deep pleasure that I've done this. I have these achievements. I've I've attained these things. And when pride comes, comes with these words like conceit, vain, egotism, superior, arrogant. Words that we would never use to describe ourselves. But internally, these are going on inside of us. There you go. The line between success and fame and notoriety and pride are very, very thin. And then we have the Scripture right here. It says, 
Pride goes before destruction. Meaning behind everything that fails is this concept of pride and haughtiness. A word we don't use anymore, which is kind of like pride on steroids. And we've met people like this. It's easy to see in others, but it's hard to see in ourselves. It goes before fall. So let me ask you a question. Do you have a problem with pride? Do you have a deep-rooted desire to make a name for yourself, to glorify yourself? Well, the story continues that God will tear down what we build for our glory in order to rebuild something better for His glory. And I want to say this again, that God will tear down what we build for our glory in order to rebuild something better for His glory. And this is what's going on in our lives, is that if, if, if little things matter to God and, and, and He's working a plan, He's working a plan to rebuild you into who you were supposed to be all along, created in the image of Jesus Christ. Now, I've got a little granddaughter. She's two years old. And when she comes over to the house, we spend a lot of time building towers. We'll build a tower. It doesn't really matter what's matter. She just wants to build. We'll build it, and then we'll, I'll build it, and we'll get it set up, and guess what she does? And guess what? I'll do it all day long. I'll do it. I love every minute of it. Knock it down. I'll, I'll build it back up. And that's kind of how we are. We, we kind of that way that we're building this thing. And, and, and the truth is, is that we're actually working against God. That if you're building something for yourself, you're actually working against God. And He is going to knock it down. And that may sound harsh or cruel, but it's really an act of love. An act of love because He's wanting to rebuild you into who you are all along. And see, we get these things that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to build my life this way, never thinking that little things matter to Him, that He's already got a plan for our life, that we would surrender our life to Jesus Christ and follow Him, and He's got a plan that's better than yours, better than mine. He's got a plan. And so we see the story right here where God intervenes onto the situation just like He does in your life. He's been intervening in your life your whole life. The very fact that you're here today is God's intervention in your life that someone invited you, someone encouraged you, that you had this notion that you were going to come here today. Where do you think that came from? It was God working in your life, wanting to rebuild you. And so He intervenes, and I love how this has played out. That they want to build this tower that is so big. And look at the play on words here. But the Lord came down. You see, our mightiest achievement is small compared to God. The thing that you want to build that is so great, unless He's at the center of it, it is tiny. I want to use a word you don't like. It's nothing compared to Him. God comes down. God came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, He said. The people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down. Again, this, this whole play on words that God's coming down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, which was His plan all along. And they stopped building the city. You see, when God wanting to rebuild us. It's to fulfill His plan. 
And unless you're fulfilling His plan, then you're really you're fighting against Him. And it's a futile battle. Because He's going to win. There's just no way around it. He's going to win. And he talks about the story, the writer of Genesis talks about this whole concept of that when we build something for our glory, it's going to lead to confusion. Instead of things really being brought together, it's going to lead to things being separated. And when we hear stories like that, we think, you know what, I don't really really do those things. I'm not really building anything for me. But the truth is, our natural inclination is to take care of ourselves, is to build for ourselves. We found out last March just how much we were concerned about ourselves. How much we were wanting to build for ourselves. People were stockpiling food and celebrating the fact that they had toilet paper and others didn't. We remember that. It's kind of like I'm building. And look, I'm not, if you had that, it's not my point. My point is just this natural inclination. I'm going to build for me. I'm going to take care of me. And again, those lines are super thin. I see this in the church world. Uh, what's funny is that we, we do a thing called growth groups where we ask people in, in, in addition to meeting on Sunday morning to get with a smaller group. To get with a smaller group of people. Uh, you can get to know somebody better, closer. Uh, you can, you'll know their name. You want to call them Big Smooth on Sunday. What's up, Big Smooth? And, uh, and you'll get to know who they are. You get to encourage them. They'll get to encourage you. It's a great... Uh, as a matter of fact, we have growth groups. If you go to our, our webpage, uh, there's growth groups that are available to you right now uh, all different times during the week. Uh, some meet here, some meet in homes, some are Zoom meetings. But what happens in a growth group is this, is that people get there and they're a little skeptical at first about meeting with people and, and then they, they meet together and it's good. And they're immediately, their inclination is this. Let's just us stay together. Whereas, like we're telling everybody, hey, after a while, you probably need to branch out and start new groups. They're like, no, let's stay together. This is good. We love each other. We're a tight group. Whenever somebody tells me that they're going to stay together as a group, I know immediately that group is about to die. And I'll say this to you. Whenever you and I have this inclination that I'm just going to take care of me, that it's about my glory, my notoriety, my fame, my making a name for myself, there's a part of me that's dying. There's a part of you that's dying. See, God will tear down. He's going to tear down anything. You build a tower, guess what He's going to do? He's going to knock it down. So that you can be remade. And who you were supposed to be all along, follower of Jesus Christ. Remade for the purpose that He has for your life. Again, nothing wrong with success or fame or notoriety, but for His glory. So that people can know Jesus. That's why we're here. The stuff that we build up, it's not going to last. It's not going to be here forever. God's not coming back for a business. He's not coming back for a building. Not even this building. He's coming back for people. So let me ask you, What needs to be rebuilt in your life?
What does God need to tear down in your life in order to do something better? One of my favorite stories in the Bible, Jesus, when He healed people, He did it different ways. In different ways. Sometimes He would touch them. Sometimes He would speak the Word. Sometimes He would ask them to do something. But my favorite healing story is this guy comes to Jesus and he's blind. And you know what Jesus does? He spits on his eye. Not, I'm, not, I'm talking about he hawks one up and spits on Not. I mean, just, I'm telling this is, you're going to, that's gross, Gary. I'm telling you what happened. That if you read the story, it says that Jesus spit. And the word spit is not like this little, but he actually spits and wipes it into his eye. And you're going, oh, that's gross. I don't know why Jesus did it that way. I have no idea. But I know that it reminds me that sometimes He wants to do something in my life. That He's wanting to rebuild in something in my life that may cause me some pain or may make me uncomfortable. Or I might, like, might not like it. But He's wanting to rebuild me and make me better. And the story of that blind man is he could see. Where is God wanting to rebuild you? Is it a relationship? Is it a goal? Is it your purpose? Is it the very fact that you've never accepted Christ, never understood that Jesus loves you so much? He loves you the way you are. Listen, don't get me wrong, but He loves you enough to remake you and to remake me because none of us got it together all the way. The truth is none of us got it together at all. So where do you need to be rebuilt? First Corinthians 10.31 says that, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That ought to be our hope. That ought to be our plan. That ought to be our purpose. See, God's wanting to rebuild everything in our life that's not for His glory. Which leads me to the last part, is that pride destroys, but in Christ Jesus we are rebuilt. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit, and you're going to have to hang with me a little bit here. So hang with me. That pride destroys. It creates confusion. It separates. It never, pride never brings people together. And we see in Genesis that God scatters these people. But God has been working His plan all along. If you read the whole Bible, He's working His plan all along to this one moment that He's going to send His Son, Jesus Christ, and unite everybody under the name of Jesus. And so we read in Acts the story of the church. Jesus has died. He's been crucified but He's been raised to life. And His followers who were scattered are now brought together with this, this supernatural power to, to preach the Word, to tell people about Jesus. And on this day, at Pentecost, it says at the time there were devout Jews living from every nation living in Jerusalem. People from everywhere had come to Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, this loud noise was, was the Holy Spirit had come on these guys and supernatural things were happening. And I know it sounds crazy, but that we, we serve a supernatural God and this is what happens. 
And everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages. People could supernaturally... What was happening is that Peter was preaching and the disciples were passing on. They were shouting, He said repent! He said repent! And everybody heard it in their own language that God had brought everybody back together because in pride... There's chaos and confusion, but Jesus Christ brings us back together. And God's doing a play on words, a play on stories from Genesis all the way to Acts here, leading up, telling us right now to remind us that He, through Jesus Christ, is wanting to rebuild in us. Being spoken by the believers, they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, People from Mesopotamia, Judah, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya, around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Christians and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done because God's reminding us the stories are there to remind us that He is rebuilding, that people are united in Jesus Christ. We are rebuilding Him. That what was separated doesn't have to be. And they stood there amazed and perplexed and said, what can this mean? They asked each other. What needs to be rebuilt in your life? I'm telling you. It happens when you surrender to Jesus Christ. When you decide that, you know what? Little things do matter to God. And He's working a plan. In your life and in my life. And then finally, I'll close with this Scripture right here. It says, people of Israel, listen, this is Peter talking. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through Him as you well know. But God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan, prearranged plan, was being carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But listen to this. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep its grip on him. We don't even have to fear death, people. That we're going to be rebuilt when we die. So what needs to be rebuilt in your life? Where are you trying to glorify yourself? Only to realize that it's futile. You wonder why things keep... They just never seem to go together. On the outside, things look good. But on the inside, you know they're not. Where do you need to be rebuilt? I want to spend just a moment praying for you today. Asking you, first of all, if you've ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you ever understood that He loves you just the way you are? But He wants to rebuild you into something better. You just have to follow Him. And it's a process and there's highs and lows, ups and downs, and nobody gets it right all the time, but that's why we have Christ. And then the second thing is where is God wanting to rebuild something better in your life? And you're fighting Him. I want to pray for you. Lord, thank You for Your Word.
Lord, thank You that You've always got a plan. And Lord, there's an ugly side to all of us that we don't want people to see. We don't want people to know. We're embarrassed when they do. And that ugliness is usually a result of our pride. So Lord, I pray for the person here today that's never known that You love them unconditionally. That You went to the cross. So they could be set free. And Lord, I pray for those of us here today that have areas of our life that need to be rebuilt, which means that something has to be torn down. And Lord, I pray we'll let You do Your work. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.